Hello and welcome to episode 206 of the In Squash podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Gibson, and today we have on Bill Cunningham. Uh, no, it's Bill Buckingham, affectionately known here on the Squa- uh, In Squash podcast as Bill Cunningham, but we all know him as Bill Buckingham. And uh, on the Squash Radio podcast, I'm, I think, affectionately known as Barry Gibbs or Barry Gibson or that guy from the podcast that shall remain unnamed. It's all in good fun, and uh, what a great chat. We had a good fun chat with Bill Buckingham today about the Windy City Open and uh, his emceeing uh, duties there, which uh, he did such a magnificent job uh, of, and we talk about that. He did over or close to 50 uh, post-match interviews. He discusses those, the ones that sort of stuck out in his mind, which were which he felt uh, stood out, and he, we talk about the event as a whole. We take a look at the men's event, which obviously Paul Cole went in uh, as newly uh, as the new world number one, and he went in and won the event, which is a difficult thing to do once you've been uh, anointed as a, a new number one, I think. You've got a bit of a target on your back, and he went in and uh, demonstrated that he is indeed uh, the number one player in the world, and he had a, you know, his back against the wall a few times, but managed to come through uh, with the win. We also talk about Noran Gohar's uh, absolutely amazing performance. Uh, other elements of that uh, Windy City Open event from the from the eyes of Bill, and uh, we also. Uh, an interesting discussion about uh, the Marwan El Sherbagi uh, Yusuf Ibrahim match, where Marwan uh, felt that a ball should have been reviewed and uh, went into a bit of a rage with the referee, and that impacted uh, the end result of that match. Uh, Bill has some insight on that for us. Uh, we talk about Bill's. Uh, Bill's podcast, Bill and Connor O'Malley's great podcast, Squash Radio, which I absolutely love. It was the reason we get into this, why I basically started my own uh, podcast in Squash a few years ago. And uh, they've got some great episodes on there. They've recently, I think, teamed up with uh, PJ, Paul Johnson, and they talk, uh, they teach take deep dives into into the pro game but also just have really fun great chats which gave me sort of I've done that a few times with a few of my uh, squash buddies over uh, the last couple of years but I don't do that enough I think so I think I'll take a page out of squash radio's book and uh, do some more of that but um this podcast with Bill was fantastic. Really enjoyed uh, getting to know him, talking about the game, the Windy City Open, uh, his other MC uh, duties that he's been involved with uh, at the Black Ball in Egypt and earlier in his MCing career, which uh, provided some great anecdotes for us to talk about. So uh, there's a lot on this that I know you'll enjoy. I enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, uh, take a look at uh, Squash Radio, by the way, if you haven't. I'm sure you have, but if you haven't, uh, taking a look at that podcast there's a a lot of really good stuff on there but this is a really good one as well episode 206 with the bill cunningham also known as bill buckingham well uh, bill it's great to have you uh on the podcast uh, the in squash podcast here bill cunningham from the windy city open fame oh, almost MC. almost Almost Bucking, Buckingham, but I, I Sorry. appreciate it. Buckingham. Uh, only I won't even edit that out. That's just a bonehead move on my part. <laughs> kind well, of, well, I, I kind of think you're getting back at me. Get that, getting back at me. By the way, because in our podcast, I refer to you as Barry Gibbs. So there you go. So there we go. Doing? Okay, Barry, <laughs> the Barry Gibbs talk show, the, the, the Barry Gibbs Saturday Night show. Live uh, uh, comedy act. Exactly. I don't know if you remember exactly. that one, but uh, <laughs> we're even. We're even. <laughs> But uh, but Bill, uh, great to have you on, and uh, you did a tremendous job, uh, by the way, at the uh, at the Windy City Open. Uh, it was fantastic. Uh, I think you obviously you've done that type of thing before. But uh, now, if you don't mind, uh, give us a little bit of a, a backstory on your your squash uh, your squash story, and maybe how you uh, how you came into the the role of MC at the the Windy City. Sure. Um, so didn't really know anything about squash uh, up until 2000, uh, 2001 time. Um, I was a sports marketing uh, director in the in New Haven, Connecticut, which is, a, you know, a, a city um, where Yale University is actually. So I had a role, uh, a regional role where my job was to attract sporting events to the area to help with economic impact, to uh, spend have people spend money in hotels, restaurants, um, facilities and things like that. 
So for the most part, my job uh, consisted of me traveling to trade shows and to conventions and bidding on amateur sporting events such as like AAU basketball, um, peewee football, things like that would, that would bring in hundreds of kids for a week or a weekend into the city, use the facilities, spend money, you know, boost the economy of where I lived. So um, always was working with the major sports, basketball, baseball, football, hockey, even because the facilities were abundant there. And um, one day I was in my office, as, as I am wont to do, and uh, got a phone call from uh, Dave Talbot, who was the uh, squash coach at Yale and never had heard of the sport of squash before. Um, didn't really know what it was. Um, he said, hey, I'm having hosting a large event and I need some logistical help. And I'm, I've been told that you could help with that. And to me, I'm like, well, that's a home run. I don't have to go fly to California and hope bid on an, an event and hope it comes to New Haven. This event's already in New Haven. So this is easy stuff for me, you know, coordinating transportation, hotels, food, anything that he needs, um, you know. And, and so I went up, met with, uh, and just a little background at that point, I was in my thirties and I weighed about 250 pounds. I hadn't exercised in you know, like every 30 year old who got out of college and then started, uh, you know, not exercising anymore. And, you know, the body, the body gets away from you. So, um, uh, I, I drove the three and a half blocks from my office to the Yale gymnasium, believe it or not, um, <laughs> parked the car and walked in, uh, met with Dave and his brother, Mark, uh, who you probably know, Mark Talbot, that he was the women's coach at the time. No idea who either one of these gentlemen are. Um, don't, don't understand the their of the hardball game. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, um, he sat down and told me what he was doing. It was, he was running what is now the junior open, um, which, you know, the U S squash used to farm out and have other people run. So what he wanted for me was pretty simplistic, uh, transportation, things like stuff that I could do without even batting an eye. And I was like, so, you know, tell me like about this sport, like, what can you tell me it consists of? So, um, five minutes after that meeting ended, I was in bare feet in a jet, in a shirt and tie hitting a ball on the glass court at Yale with Mark Talbot. Okay. So kind of as I, we, I equate it to like the first time you throw a baseball, you'd having a catch with Derek Jeter. So, um, I mean, it, it, it was, I, I didn't, I didn't understand at that time, obviously like who Mark was and that type of thing. And before I left the gym that day, they had given me shoes, a racket and a pass to the gym. Awesome. Uh, so I started, you know, saying, Hey, you know, started playing. I started showing up there and hitting and things like that. And I started playing and it became my second home. Uh, I started playing three, four times a week. I dropped, I was dropped like 50 pounds in like two years. Um, squash became my life um, and started working with what is now U.S. Squash, which was back then the USSRA uh, yeah. on their events that they were hosting at Yale. So I got to meet Kevin and then I started working at U.S. Squash. So that, that's how I got into the game of squash. MCing, um, and, and I apologize because I've had three cups of coffee this morning. So you, you may have to interrupt me from stopping talking. Um, no, no, no. I, uh, I figured that. So I had one just a few minutes ago. I tried to keep up. <laughs> <laughs> so as far as my MC roles, um, so in probably when, when U.S. Squash took, uh, took the open, the U.S. Open in-house again um, and ran, started running it at Drexel University, there was upstairs courts and downstairs courts. The downstairs courts were kind of re two recreational courts. It's where we used to do qualifying. And then when qualifying stopped, where we did the early rounds, well, because there wasn't enough space, obviously, to play every match on the glass court. So I started doing some emceeing down there, kind of running my own show down there, kind of goofing around, making announcements, things such as that. And Gilly Lane, who is the, um, the MC of the uh, U.S. Open, um, in, I think it was 2018, probably. Yeah, it must have been 2018, had a personal engagement of some sort that he had to attend during the semis and the finals of the Open that year. And so they called me, called me up to the majors, you know, tap, tapped me and said, <laughs> you're going to you're going to do the semis and finals of the thing you've been doing downstairs for seven years now. We're going to give you your chance. So I, uh, it's, when like, I did it's this, like when the when the manager goes out to the mound and go, does this exactly, thing, right? exactly. <laughs> I, I figure exactly when they had used up all the bullpen, I was available. So they they <laughs> they, 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 they tapped me in. So uh, Ooh, I did it. know they had a diamond in the rough there, right? Hey, I, I was telling them for years, man. I told them, what you know, what, give me a, put me in coach. Um, <laughs> so, so I went up and I did it and um, I had fun. Um, I, I look back at now, I, I checked the videos and I, I was okay. I wasn't, I wasn't great by any means, but I was okay. And um, a month later, I got a call. Uh, I was actually walking into Yale to play on a weekend and 
Tim Lasusa, who is now the coach at Georgetown, um, who at the time was the assistant coach at Yale, said, hey, my friend Amr Khalifa in Egypt saw you on the U.S. Open and wants you to come out and MC the Black Ball Open in Egypt. And I was like, what? <laughs> I said, yeah, right, Tim, for sure. He goes, yeah, he's gonna, they're going to fly you out there and pay your expenses and everything. He goes, here's his cell phone number, text him. And I was like, yeah, right, whatever. You know, the thought of going to Egypt had never, anything like that had never crossed my mind. So I obviously texted him and uh, he said, yeah, he goes, I love the way you did the U.S. Open. We want you to come out here. We're hosting the first ever Black Ball Open. Um, we're gonna, we'll fly you out. We'll pay you. We'll put you up, blah, blah, blah. So I did it. I flew out to Cairo, um, did the Black Ball Open in December. It was the first men's event. Um, and then in March, I did the first women's event. I remember that. And I was, uh, and I remember thinking to myself, well, they, I mean, there, you know, there's probably a a significant expat community out there and a few guys that play squash. So maybe they, you know, they identified someone who could come in and do it, but that obviously is not the case. Yeah, no, no, it was definitely a connection with, uh, so Amr Khalifa, who was the world junior champion, um, uh, played college squash with Tim Lestusa. So that's the connection. And I just, I know Tim because his father, Peter was our board chair at U.S. Squash. So it's kind of all, all intertwined. So, yeah, so they asked me to do that. And so I did that and um, was ready to go out for the next women's event the following um, March. And then uh, it literally I was about to get on a plane when the pandemic hit uh, two, two days before the pandemic. I was going to uh, where we started shutting everything down. I was like, probably not a good idea to go to Egypt. So I, I haven't been back there since. But um, that's kind of where my PSA career with 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 emceeing started and john flanagan who i've known through my uh, association with u.s squash for the last 15 years knows me and he pinged me um maybe back in november and said hey we want you to have you out here uh, to do the emceeing for the windy city open are you interested and i was like yeah of course Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. Well, once you got the squash bug, I mean, uh, then you get. You know, I mean, I'm I've been playing for years, and I just can't get enough of the of the PSA squash. Uh, yeah. I mean, men's and women's, and and the Windy City Open, uh, as you, you know, you were there to see it was absolutely amazing. Uh, yeah. Some tremendous squash, but uh, so just just in general, um, what was your takeaway overall uh, from the event? A, a great event. Um, the the where it is, the cathedral hall, where it is, the intimate setting is just absolutely incredible. I don't know if people who are watching on TV can uh, really get a sense of how small it is there, um, how, how, how compact the, it is. It kind of looks like Grand Central Station with the cathedral look and the lights hanging over it, but it is a small, small little, a small hall basically that fits, probably could fit about 350 people snug, snugly if that's a word. Um, but yeah, it's very intimate. The crowd uh, is very knowledgeable. It's a very, uh, I got the sense that those folks, most of the folks who were there go to the Windy City Open every year. They seem to know all the players. They seem to know each other. Um, they it's are quite a, it's, you've got a name for itself now. It's one of the, the established uh, events on, on the tour these days. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. one that everyone looks forward to. Met, met a lot of people who had traveled in for it specifically who said, I come every year. I, I, you know, we take time out, we take vacation time when we come for the first few rounds or we come for the last few rounds. Yeah. And very knowledgeable about squash. And they actually, unlike a lot of events that I, I go to and attend as a, as a fan or go watch where there's, where there's alcohol involved, a lot of times the squash gets lost and people kind of are into their own thing and looking at their phones and kind of chatting there people watch the squash. It, it was very black ball like in that way where mm-hmm. at black ball, people are intensely focused on the squash. Like there is. I was going to ask you about that. Uh, I was going to ask you to juxtapose the two. I mean, I, I know, you know, in Egypt, you, we've seen it way back in the, when I first saw some Egypt events back in the nineties and you could just see how raucous the crowds were and how knowledgeable. I'm not sure if they were for, for the, the black ball events, but the, you know, they get the flags out and start, uh, yeah, you know, very uh, parochial, almost uh, to a degree. Yeah. They know their squash. They know their squash, and they're they're very attuned to it. A lot of events you go in the U.S. that have that sell beer, that sell alcohol, that that kind of takes over, and people, you know, you mostly just hear people talking amongst each other and the flap right. of the ball in the background, and people aren't really paying attention until it gets down to the end. In Chicago, people were laser focused on the squash, just as they were in Egypt. It was a very similar vibe. That's good. That's great. Yeah. I'm sure the players appreciate that. The players definitely appreciate it. And I think they also appreciate how knowledgeable they are about the game. You could see that some of the, you know, it's such a, such an intimate venue. You're, you're somewhat privy to a lot of conversations you shouldn't be privy to um, yeah. like players talking to uh, fans and things like that. So kind of just like listening with half an ear and some of the questions that get asked 
I actually steal and use on the court because those people probably know a lot awesome. more about squash than I do. So, uh, so yeah, yeah so I, I hear people talking to Ali. I hear people talking to Paul Call and asking them like very specific questions about their grip and about, you know, what their tactics were and things like that, which, you know, un, un, very unusual. Usually it's like, oh, can I just get my picture with you? And I love you. And you're uh, you're a great squash I'm player. Ball, these, people, ball, yeah. these people know their game for sure in Chicago. Uh, yeah, I'd like to go go to that one. Uh, I've all, I've been flirting with the idea of either heading over for that or the uh, the tournament of champions. But POC, I think, is wasn't that canceled or postponed? No, it's happening. Uh, uh, first week up. of May this year. Sorry, first week of May first this year. Okay. So, so it'll be a spring, be a spring first time ever spring event. So it'll be a little different vibe because usually it's in the 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 icy cold depths of winter in New York and people hang around yeah. Grand Central because it's warm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. So it'll be a little different vibe, but I'm looking forward to it. It should be, you know, it, I mean, they held the World Championships in Chicago in in July, so they could hold the uh, TOC in May. Yeah, are you, you going to be hopefully there for that one? Or I, I will definitely go as a fan. They have they have a a set MC uh, Will Carlin, who's one of the better oh, MCs right. for yeah. sure. So the the MC world there is small, but also there's few tournaments, so people kind of have their niche. So um, yeah. yeah, yeah, Will does that. Um, I've never done the, the TOC. I would love to do the TOC. That's I mean, Chicago was. Oh, you've, got the, you've got the windy city, so uh, that, I got, that's yeah. I can't, I can't be I can't be greedy. Exactly, exactly the case. Yeah, the TOC is the big stage. I, it took me what eight years to get up to the U.S. Open upstairs. I figured I should wait another twenty to get to the TOC. Yeah, the By TOC for me was like my the uh, that was. I think it was 96. I was when Jonathan Power won the TOC. I think it was the first time he beat uh, Craig Rowland in the final. And I still have the video of that match. Uh, wow. That, that so was you- kind of my first exposure to, to that event. And it was sort of right around the time when squash kind of became more visible, like with, with YouTube and with mm-hmm. uh, video footage and, and things like that. But that, that event is a, uh, is uh, one of it, it's probably even more prestigious than uh, the Windy City, if, if a, li- a little bit, I, I would say, because of New York, I think, and you yeah. know, the, just the whole the grants. There is not a venue. I mean, obviously, the pyramids are awesome, and there, mm-hmm. there's a lot of venues where they could drop a squash court, but nothing. I, and I think the players will all tell you this: nothing rivals Grand Central Station in the TOC. Just the amount, the energy there is pretty incredible. Yeah, New York is just it speaks for itself, and an event yeah. in the city right there uh, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I wanted to ask you about uh, about the, the squash at the Windy City because you were there for the whole thing. But before we mm-hmm. do, uh, the Walters family they they put uh, on that event uh, for the last several years, and also the mm-hmm. World Championships, which were in Chicago a few years back. I think they they helped with that event as well. So I'm not, I, I don't really know much about about that about the family. But do you do you? Uh, uh, what is their affinity with, with the game? Uh, they love they love the game of squash. They were intro- I, I I don't know the details, so I'm kind of just kind of surmising what what's good. They, they're big sports fans. Uh, he own, is part owner of both the Lakers and the Dodgers. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So so he's he's a sports guy. He loves competition. He loves the theatrics of sports, and so he saw squash and has an affinity to it. He doesn't play, uh, Mark, but he's a huge fan. He as I mean, very rarely do you see a sponsor. Now, you know, when you go to go to one of these tournaments who sits there and watches all the time, like is glued to their seat, basically watching the squash, right? It's more like, hey, I gave my money, bring me on court. You acknowledge that I gave the money. I wave, I go home or I go down to other business things. Yeah, he, he's, he's there watching squash and he knows the players and he knows the game and he is a he's a fan. He's a big fan of squash. So I, I what his what turned him on to squash? You'd probably have to ask John Flanagan, the uh, the head of athletics, uh, the head of squash over at a. Uh, over at the university club, but um, he loves it, loves the game. And uh, his wife also loves the game. So it, it was pretty, pretty cool to watch how excited he got watching. I mean, I'm like, this guy watches the Lakers and the Dodgers. I mean, the, the pinnacle of sports in the United States. And he was pumping his fist and clapping and standing up and high-fiving and stuff like that. So it was, it was well, pretty He hasn't hard. had much to clap for in LA uh, with the Lakers, has he? So. <laughs> not, not this year, but I, I, <laughs> over I, the I years he has obviously. Yeah. Over, over the, I'm not sure how long he, he's owned them, but I don't know. You, you live in Dubai, so you probably haven't been to an NBA game uh, in, in some time. No, I haven't um, been to one. Uh, if I were in Canada, obviously I'd love to see the Raptors because they, they've been doing so right. well over the years well if you sit if you sit in an nba game it is non i mean even when the ball's not in play it's just non-stop action like there's things going on on court music playing all the time it is a a feast for the senses for sure and i think maybe that's his i'm hoping that's his vision for squash because it would you know as you know and i know 
you know, sometimes like the buildup when you watch PSA TV with the lights and the announcements and, you know, you try to, Hey, on court now, blah, 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 blah. And you get it, but then you get it. And then it's quiet. Right. Yeah. And then you hear the, you hear the thump of the ball and it kind of brings you down a notch where I I think, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the vision for squash would, would probably be where like, it's just nonstop cacophony. Right. And just noise and people yelling and screaming and music and things like that. Yeah. I think some events do try to pull that off. Like some of the, the, the events in Europe, there's one in France and I forget exactly where the, 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 the name of the event. There's another one in Switzerland where they, mm-hmm. they tend to do things a bit differently, more much like what you're yeah. talking about. And uh, yeah, definitely that, that would add uh, a lot to the game. So let, let's For see sure. how, how that plays out. But there yeah. were other uh, celebrities uh, there as well. I mean, we'll talk about Billie Jean uh, sure. uh, later, but uh, Dikembe Mutombo. Yeah, Dikembe. Uh, the world's biggest what a legend. Squash fan. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But he doesn't Literally. play. I think I asked you. You you mentioned he he uh, he doesn't play. He he does not play. Uh, he again, just another one of those guys who we we heard he was coming, and obviously I'm a big basketball fan, so I was very excited to to have him uh, to have him there, and kind of as always expect celebrity. They walk in. They watch a game, they leave because they have so many other things to do. He was glued. He stayed, he stayed for the whole session. He came for the night session. He came on time and stayed for all four matches. You could tell, and I talked to him briefly. I had like a brief conversation with him. He really appreciated the athleticism of it all. Like he, like you're, you're you're an, you're a professional athlete. You see people up close, do things like you're like, holy crap. That, that is, that's special. And I think he recognized. How can you not? I mean, geez. You you watch a guy you watch guys like Yusuf Ibrahim or Paul Cole or Norin Norhan all the all all those guys I mean the way yeah. they get around the court the way they move so quickly and stop yep. on a time and hit you know perfectly yeah. um, and, and he was he was very personable he took photos with everyone he acquiesced to interviews with Swash TV he did, talked to local news people he was very very personable and like a very very nice guy and kind kind of lived up to what you thought Dikembe Matambo was for sure so it was it was cool being him being there. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Now, um, if we could talk uh, just a little bit about about the event itself. Um, during the obviously during the course of the event, you you got to inter- you did all the post match interviews, right? Forty nine so, of them. Forty nine of them. Uh, forty nine of them. Forty nine, so, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah forty nine. Uh, so, were there any in particular that left a bill that left an impression on you? I would say, you know, I'm always I always like interviewing like um, Ali Farag and Tarek Momin only because especially later in the rounds after you're on your 40th interview and you've asked all the questions that are, are to be asked. Um, uh, they are just so great to talk to that you ask them one thing and they'll expound on it and they'll kind of take a little bit of pressure off you from having to fa- ask a follow up question. You know, so it, yeah. I always look forward to those. But I would say for this tournament, the two um, left most impression on the biggest impression on me, Paul Call. Mm. Um, how he handled the whole number one thing. Cause I, I was always, I was a little bit, you know, Hey, should I ask him about being number one? Like, is that something that he wants to talk about? Cause with yeah. Ali, when I used to do it with Ali Farag, like at black ball, when he was on the precipice of becoming number one, the first tournament I did there, if he had beaten Gawad in the final, he would have become number one and he didn't. And it was always awkward asking those kind of questions. And Ali never seemed comfortable talking about becoming number one or when he was number one where Paul call has embraced it. He was, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he, he wanted to talk about it and he made it clear to me that he wanted to talk about it. So I really, the intensity that he showed after the Macon match. And if you go back and watch the PSA TV video where he's strutting around the court, like kind of bobbing his head and like just gesticulating, I was like, wow, that first time I've seen that from a squash player, it reminds me of like an NFL player getting jacked up to play in a game or, or, you know, another sporting person, like from one of the major sports getting pumped and, it was almost like he left his body for a little bit and he had to like calm down. But then when you talk about it and you ask him about number one, man, he embraced it. And he was like, this is what I've worked for. This is what I want. And the fans loved it. So I, I was appreciative of him being accepting of the questions, but also his answers were great. And just his whole, his whole intensity was just something I had never seen before from a squash player. Yeah. I was really impressed. Uh, I think I, I, tweeted that the, the, you very rarely see it happen where a guy or, or lady, uh, they take the number one spot and then mm-hmm. the very next event, you typically they might slip up. Oh he, yeah. He did not. He, he came out there, he beat everybody. He, he had a little everybody. bit of a, he had a tough go of it with, uh, with Yusuf, but Yusuf was, was playing extremely well. Uh, 
he was on fire. Uh, right. He was playing right. incredible squash, but, yep. um, but yeah, he, he did, he came out there and uh, played, uh, he had the number one ranking, a bit of pressure, but it didn't appear that it affected him negatively. He, he used it as fuel, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was crazy. The other one, um, Salmahani, believe it or not, um, Salmahani, mm-hmm. the Egyptian, so my, in my, my first introduction to emceeing in the basement at Drexel University, um, first year, I did, I knew, obviously I knew a lot about, you know, the players, but not, not a ton about the, uh, the qualifiers. And I don't know if you remember a, a, um, uh, Annie Ow and her brother, Leo. Yeah, Ow. Yeah, yeah. So, so Annie Ow, she was qualifying for the U S open. And, um, I'm, of course, it's my first Is assignment. Highly unorthodox it. player. Very, very much so. Very much I so. love watching her play. She slows it down. And oh my God! She, yes, she, her, Leo, exactly the same, and just the nicest people in the world. Both of them are just so nice. But I didn't know a ton about them, and of course, it's I, I was told I'm going to MC down there. So of course, I'm doing my homework and watching the match intently and ready to ask questions about tactics and things like that. So I have this opening thing to ask, and Annie Ow goes out there and she wins her match and I'm going out there and I say, Annie, you know, I saw that you lobbed and you slow, just like you said, slowed the ball down. I asked this like 20 minute question and she turns out she didn't really speak English at the time, at the time. So she kind of just looked at, and there's like, you know, it's a pretty good crowd there. And there she looks at me and looks up and I was like, all right, ladies and gentlemen, Annie Al. <laughs> so I kind of, I kind of learned from that experience to do a little more research on who, who, you know, who has good English skills, who has good communication skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and Selma Hani, who I'd interviewed year, a couple of years before at the black ball was very soft spoken and just not, you know, you had kind of had to drag questions out of her. So um, at the Windy City Open, the change in two, three years, I mean, if you watch those interviews, I mean, she is just incredible uh, such a well-spoken young lady so mm-hmm. smart and so confident that the metamorphosis from when i inter- uh, interviewed her at blackball was just incredible I, I was blown i was blown away by it so much so i wish that Salmahani played every match so i could interview her oh great <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, was, it was so easy and she just you know answered every question and just was so well-spoken and so smart and so 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 keen on the game and she she under, understood everything about chicago she she just her wherewithal was incredible. Brilliant. Yeah. I guess that was a bit nostalgic for you too, to have to, you know, you get to see her out there playing yep. at that, you know, the highest level and you, and back in your early days of emceeing, you were uh, interviewing her as a, as a young, uh, young lady. She was, did she play college squash? Uh, she did not play college okay. squash. Yeah. Okay. By the way, Annie Owl, Annie Owl, like three years later was being interviewed after she beat, she beat Nicole David at the, uh, at the U S open. And yeah, was completely changed. Like she had, okay. she had learned, learned English and she was just, it was a totally different interview. So, uh, Gilly, Gilly got, Gilly got lucky as I like to say. Gilly got lucky. It sounds yeah. like another, like a, a comedy movie or something. Yeah. Gilly, 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 I, I walked so Gilly could fly basically. <laughs> yeah. Now, now the, uh, the men's event obviously brought with it, uh, as it typically does, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of excitement, but a bit of fair bit of drama. There are some characters out there, uh, you know, great squash, but also it, it gets a bit uh, dramatic on the court. Uh, I think it was the semifinal was uh, Marwan El-Sherbagi and Yusuf Ibrahim. It was a great match. Uh, mm-hmm. Marwan had been playing pretty well and it looked like he was going, it sort of looked like he might win it. And then uh, something happened where he, I think Yusuf Ball was very close to, being down and I, I saw the video looked down uh, to me, <laughs> but, uh, and Marwan just went off. He, he went yeah. off and uh, yeah. like, he tends to do that. And I think he, he'll be the first to admit that he has that problem. Uh, he does admit it later on. Uh, mm-hmm. but I was just wondering how uh, you were there. Uh, uh, what was your take on that? And, uh, you know, in the aftermath, was there any spillover? Uh, did you, mm-hmm. that you were, yeah, it was- it was a bit, it was a bit scary, actually. Um, the, the match before, you know, cause he, he kind of, he's one of those people who has uh, outbursts on the court and uh, the match before he had, he was sim- similar, but I had asked him on the interview, I said, you know, it seemed like you were able to have your outburst, put it away and then move on. Mm. And it's almost like he does it as a tactic, right. To like kind of throw his opponent off. And I, I think probably he does in that case against um, uh, in, in the semi, 
I've never seen that before. I mean, he completely, he lost it. And when he came back to the chair, which, you know, was right next to where I was like stationed for the tournament, like watching the matches and stuff, he was like hyperventilating and like swearing at himself and talking. Well, I don't know about swearing because I couldn't understand it, but like <laughs> literally yelling at himself, like couldn't calm down and got back on court and you saw the results of that. So not quite, I had never seen a squash player kind of lose it like that before. I've seen people argue, obviously seen people, throw fits on courts and get conducts and things like that. I don't know if I've ever seen a squash player emotionally lose it like he did in person anyways. And it was quite, quite startling and wasn't quite sure what to make out of it. Didn't see an aftermath because he lost and he left. It's not like he sat in the chair and like calmed himself down. He picked up his bag and walked out of the, uh, of the, uh, the cathedral hall. And I, I, ne- I honestly never saw him again the rest of the week. Really? Yeah. So, yeah. He does have, I mean, it looked to me in the air. I was, I was saying to myself earlier, earlier in the event that, you know, he seems to have a, you know, a hold on it. You know, he seems to have it under control because it looked mm-hmm. like there were a few times where he could have, you know, I think anybody would have argued might yeah. or yeah. debated with the referee and he decided not to and played on. But then yeah. I don't know. I think, I think, you know, when the chip, when the stakes are a bit higher, I think this, this happens in all sports, you go back to sort of the sort of bad habits that, that you have, even though you try to, yeah, try to avoid them. Uh, I would think at, at his age, you know, in his what what should be his maturity level, that he could compartmentalize it and use it instead of lose. lose. I mean, he lost the tournament. I mean, it's a platinum, the the largest prize money platinum event. The sponsor is sitting right there. Billie Jean King is sitting right there, yeah. and you're. I mean, it, it was junior squash. It was like a child. It was really, really, really startling. I, I was startled by it. Billie Jean King. What didn't seem to be so. I sat actually. After interviewing um, uh, Youssef, I walked out. I was like m- emotionally shot. I was like, walk because I was so like watching it. And I sat down right next to her and I said, Oh my God. And she goes, What's the matter? And I said, I've never really seen anything like that. She goes, Really? She goes, In tennis. Yeah, see it all the time. Uh, I was going <laughs> to say, like, Billie Jean probably it wouldn't have meant anything. I mean, look at what happened uh, just a few, what was it, Zverev or whatever in, in one of the big tennis events. Yeah. Yeah. He just, uh, what did he throw his racket at the referee yeah. or something? I mean, I mean, I mean John I mean, McEnroe got thrown out of a, got thrown out of a French open for God's sake. Right. Or an Australian open. He got default, like defaulted on court. So, I mean, yeah, she, I'm sure in tennis, she has seen it all the, the, with the money and the prize money and the pressure of, of tennis. I'm sure she has seen 10 times worse, but to me, I, w- I was pretty startled by it because he literally looked like he lost it. Like he little lost it, which is, is always scary when somebody acts like that. He did so. lose it. It was scary to watch him sort of the way he mm-hmm. reacted. But in, you know, having seen the, the video, I, I have mm-hmm. no idea. It looked down. The ball did look, it, it looked down. Yeah. But, but, you know, that's the rub of the, that's, you know, the breaks of the game. Not yeah. all calls are going to go for you. If, if, if you react like that to every call that goes against you, yeah. um, you're, you're not no, you going to have a successful career. That, that was a big the platinum event against a very inexperienced player. He had a good opportunity to make it to the finals and he threw it away. So that seems to me like, again, I don't want to play armchair psychologist with him. seems like something he needs to get some help with or get some control on because to lose that and that space, a little, little odd. Yeah, absolutely. It, it did. It, uh, to be fair to him, it did happen earlier on the glass court. I saw mm-hmm. it was a uh, Diego Elias and, um, I forget who he was playing, but Diego like threw his not didn't throw his racket, but he, he mm-hmm. smashed it against the back wall and directly, you know, directed it at the official. It was the, oh, yeah. but it was the final point of the match. Yeah, and yeah. He, was, it, I mean, it, you can't tell. There was no video, obviously, because it was on a backcourt. But it yeah. looked like he could have got the ball, and it was what thirteen twelve in the fifth. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I saw that. And yeah, so so Diego's again, my opinion, um, not what I Diego's just immature. I mean, yeah. Marwan's not immature. Diego's an immature guy. He he yeah. is he, he I mean it, that happens to him often. It's not like that's a that wasn't enough. Obviously, smashing the racket like that, it being match point and all that is a little bit different, but Diego has outbursts like that. I've seen it at the U.S. Open a bunch of times. So he smashes rackets off court and things like that. He's he's a he's well immature. I guess is the best word I could use for it. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame to you know in that situation. I would have, in terms of the officiating, I think you want to err. Uh, to mm-hmm. me, anyways, you want to err on the side of caution, especially on a match ball. Yeah, uh, you might want to play a let. That that would have been my call. Yeah, it's easier said, easier for easy for us to say. But yeah, uh, in yeah. situation, you know, the referee explained himself. He was very, you know, mm-hmm. soft spoken. He just said, "Look, 
we're not going to check that one. Sorry about that. And let's play on. And he should have just yeah. played on and, yep. you know, played some head games. He, he does that well. And he doesn't have to very well. Very well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he was yeah. playing, he was playing so well leading into it too. I mean, oh, he, had yeah. beaten, he had beaten Ollie for God. I mean, he beat Ollie for all. No, he has all the, he has the game. He's got a great yeah. basic squash game. It's nothing flashy. It just, he does so, everything well. Yeah. Be interesting to see what, what comes of that um, down this, down the road with the, you know, you saw uh, Asal got suspended. Um, it'd be Absolutely. interesting to see yeah. what kind of punishment gets meted out for that because it was, I mean, it was pretty, a pretty prolific event. And I, for the, I don't think the PSA could just look away from that. No, I mean, especially with, you know, the punishment that Asal got, I, I just, I didn't, I didn't really, I don't really see why it was so severe. Yeah. He, well, he has issues moving around, but uh, right. There's a backstory there, obviously, but a hundred percent. I think, I think the PSA's lack of transparency and I've talked, I, and, I, and I know that you're a huge fan of our podcast. I know you are. I know you listen and subscribe. Um, uh, squash yeah. radios podcast. I'm sure you do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You do. I do. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That. I didn't okay. realize you're, you're squash radio. Yeah. Um, I do the break, what's called the breakdown. It's kind of a, 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 okay. a part of squash okay. radio. Well, that, I mean, group. that you were the reason why I started my podcast. It's just be, I, I was looking for a squad. I, I listened to you guys a lot. This is mm-hmm. a, you know, an aside here, obviously, but, sure. uh, uh, and then I just felt there's room for one more. Uh, yeah. No, Connor, Connor O'Malley started it. And he tells me that, yes, he, he always, he takes credit for your rise in the industry. Just, just so you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, well squash radio, I had no idea, Bill. Sorry about that. I no, that's okay. It. Well, now if you listen to my old episodes, you'll hear where I call you Barry Gibbs all the time. So uh, you'll, okay. I, hope, I hope now you, I hope now <laughs> you get a kick out <laughs> of it. Oh, all, all right. the time. Okay. Sorry, very, very sarcastically, of course. So yeah, oh, I do I'm, it. I'm, I'm up for that. Uh, uh, geez, I didn't, I'll have to go back <laughs> and listen to so, the, Go back through the through the, the archive library, yeah. but we, no, we no, 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 seriously, that's the reason why I started this no. one is because I just felt and and you you know I I went through a period of, within the last year where I just couldn't put out as much as I put out as mm-hmm. much uh, material as I used to I, for about two years. It was one a week almost, uh, and then I just got busy. And I think that maybe what happened to you guys there was a period where you you didn't put yeah, out yeah. a lot of material. Uh, and that, that, that's why I started mine. I just thought, let's get yeah, some, yeah. let's get a few more podcasts yeah. out there. And then sort of after I came about three or four more came up. Yep. Yeah. There's a, great. Yeah. 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 I love listening to all of them actually. So it's, it's great. Oh, yeah. 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 Con- Connor will be thrilled that you have acknowledged that you started your podcast because of him. He'll love it. Okay. Well, I'll have to reach out to Connor. Uh, yeah. That's cool. No, okay. that's, that's excellent. It's wash radio. Wow. Great. Okay. How about that? I, I got to get my research team uh, and give them the slap on well, the wrist. Bill, Bill, I, Bill, I got your last name wrong and I didn't know squash radio. Okay. I honestly thought you did it on purpose because I call you, it's kind of a running joke on our podcast to call you Barry Gibbs. So okay. I thought you were doing it on purpose. <laughs> Maybe I am. Maybe I <laughs> Who knows? Chess, you're playing chess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, the, the Windy City, the men's uh, event was uh, obviously... I was always, I've had uh, Yusuf on the podcast and uh, I, I was, I'm always impressed every time I watch him play. It's just, he's so athletic. And so he's so, there's not, yeah. there aren't many who have, have the skill that he has, just right. the, the touch that he has uh, yeah. and the ability to, to put the ball where he does. And at the same time, be moving so quickly onto the ball. Yeah. It, it's incredible. And playing four years of college squash in, in the yeah. United States as opposed to playing full time on the tour. Can you imagine the kid who plays like number one at Bowdoin having to like wake up Saturday morning and saying, I got to play Yusuf Ibrahim this morning? Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, what? Victor Quan beat, beat him in the. Yeah. I, I watched a lot of it on, um, on, um, uh, streaming and it looked like a tremendous match. You could tell Yusuf had lost a little bit of his legs. I mean, but fair enough, right? He just had come yeah. off the platinum, but no, uh, no shade on Victor. Victor's a very good player. Um, yeah, he's a smart so. player. He's a, he's got all the skills too. And he's, yeah. he's done well recently. Yeah. 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 It'd be interesting to see how Ibrahim uh, rises. Uh, he's 17th in the world right now. So it'd be interesting to see if he go, once he goes full-time, uh, his trajectory should be interesting. Yeah. He's another guy. He, he, he carries himself with a bit of a, you know, he, his chest, he puts his chest out there a bit. I'm Very not sure. much so. I mean, that might have been what rubbed uh, Marwan uh, the wrong way because it, Yusuf didn't back down at all. Not not afraid, not intimidated, which is interesting because off the court, he's very nice. He's a very, like, laid back man, a young man to talk to. Yeah, um, yeah. 
totally different persona. It seems on the court uh, to me from what I've talked to him anyway. So it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun to watch. And also always great to see a new face in there, especially when you, you get to the platinum events. It's always nice to have someone, you know, bust into the semis who's, who's normally not there and into the finals instead yeah, of the absolutely. same, same old, same old playing each other. Absolutely. Yeah. We've got uh, in London, I guess yesterday, Nicholas uh, Mueller got to the semifinal. Uh, got to the semis. And I, um, I always thought had a lot of talent. Yeah. 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 Great guy too. He is, he is, he was one of the nicest guys on tour for sure. So I was, I actually, uh, I messaged him congratulations after, after his win. So big, big, big event for him to make it to the semis for sure. And he, he fought Ali yesterday to, in the first game anyways, wow. gave him a good yeah, 15, so, 13, I think. Yeah. 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 But the, the women's side of the event, uh, was, was really good too. Uh, my favorite, uh, one of my favorite players, men or women is Noren uh, Gohar. Mm-hmm. I just love watching her play. Uh, I remember seeing her play here at the PSA Super Series final in Dubai, and she'd mm-hmm. been going through a really like tough period for her where she'd been losing all her matches and she lost every match here, but got to see her just practice. And I thought, Jesus Christ, there's no one, no one should be beating her. The way she yeah. just hits the ball and moves her movement, yeah. especially for me, uh, is, like she's so athletic and fluid the way she gets around the court. Uh, mm-hmm. And she showed up uh, at her best uh, at this event, didn't drop a game. What was your take? Incredible. The, the women's event was so much fun to watch. I watched almost every um, every match from the side wall, uh, the left side wall, and watching the um, Hamami uh, uh, Sherbini match, the play down that left side of the wall was unlike anything I had witnessed from women's squash before it was played at such a different level. I mean, the retrievals, the shots, the intense, it was just, I was like struck by it. Usually it was like watching a, no offense, like a very good men's match. Yeah. Like just usually like, you know, women's matches, sometimes they, they don't retrieve the ball as well, or they don't, you know, they don't get up front as quick. And these two players just and, and blew me away. So it was absolutely incredible. And I was like, wow, nor as well as Noron's playing, Hamami is really sharp. And sometimes Noron has some mental lapses. Like she, she, I think Noron's, you know, I think Sherbini's the best women's player ever. And I think she's the best women's player on the tour right now. I think on their best day, I think Sherbini could beat Noron. I think Noron's playing yeah. better squash than Sherbini right now. Um, but sometimes Noron has mental lapses. And I thought, well, you know what? Hamami's for a young kid is very mentally strong. She um, and I think yeah, she starts out strong against Noron and puts Noron on our heels a little bit. Noron might get a little nervous and none of that. Noron was like so focused and such a machine. Anything that went wrong, she shook it off. She never got upset on court, never got down on herself. And just, I mean, that was as, I think as strong a woman's squash performance or overall squash performances I've seen from the beginning to the end in a tournament ever. I mean, yeah, she, she dominated, do that. absolutely dominated. When, she, when she's playing her best squash, that seems to be the way it's sort of uh, it happens, yeah, doesn't yeah. it? She just goes out and blitzes everybody. Yep, yep. And she showed a little personality. Uh, you know, usually she is. Uh, I mean, uh, they, she's so focused. Usually, never smiles, never has fun. And she kind of in the, in Chicago on court, she seemed to enjoy herself. In her post match interviews, she was phenomenal, just yeah. phenomenal. And I, I asked her about like her persona and her being like thought of as a as a cyborg and a machine. And she goes, you know, she said, you know, I. She said it. She said, I like having that persona. She goes, that's not me off the court, but I like having that. So, you know, it's part, it's part of, it's part of our arsenal. Yeah. Yeah. So incredible. She put on, um, it, I think overall, because of all the whining and complaining from the men, I think the fans there, and I heard it several times, really enjoyed watching the women more than the men during that, during the event. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And I know Billie Jean was uh, impressed with the women. Cause I saw the interview she did with, um, with Joey there after mm-hmm. I think it was maybe a semifinal match and, she spoke mm-hmm. eloquently about the game and she spoke about her love for the game. And mm-hmm. uh, I think all the, the entire squash community who follows uh, the pro, pro game was like, that's, you know, this is awesome. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what was your uh, takeaway from the Billie Jean endorsement? And did you spend any time with her? I talked to her briefly. I, I did. I rode the elevator with her a couple of times. Does that count? Okay. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so um, no, yeah, she uh, very impressive uh, her, how she followed the matches. Cause she went for two, she was there for two days. She was there for the semis and the finals. And as I always say, as I said before in this, like usually when the celebrities are there, they don't really pay attention. They're kind of doing their own thing. She not only sat and watched the matches, she moved from position to position to see the game from different angles. She sat back wall. And then she went and sat 
front wall and then she sat side wall. And the whole time she wasn't there talking to anybody. She was there watching the squash and you could see her, her fist pumping, her fist clenched and things like that. Like she was into it, into the competition. And she really enjoyed watching the, um, the expression on her face when she sat front wall. Uh, Cause I was kind of, you know, unlike her, I wasn't watching the squash. I was watching her. Um, yeah. So I was watching her emotions and she was like, really, you could tell I'm a big fan of front wall viewing where you sit in the front wall. I think you get a better view of the athleticism of squash really? if you yeah, sit in the front yeah. wall and how fast the ball actually moves. And you could see, it seemed like that was the first time she had ever sat front wall for a squash match. And she was like her, her face lit up when she saw the ball flying at her and the people's, the movement of the, of the, of the players up front and the athleticism at all. She was like, really into it she sat there for like two straight matches just clapping and watching and you could see the expression on her face it was it was pretty heartening to see a a world-class athlete such as that be wowed by by squash absolutely yeah an an american icon for sure for for absolutely sure and uh yeah so i I did talk to her briefly i did talk to her after the marwan match just you know to get her take on that and again she's like yeah i've seen it before but otherwise she was um uh she was very visible. She was very friendly with the fans. She she really seemed to enjoy herself. I think if there was another round the next night, she would have come back. She, she in her interview with with Joey, she started uh, playing backhand drop shots. You know, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you notice that, but it looks like she still has good hands as well. Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 So she's, uh, and I just saw her on Twitter this morning. She's like down, I guess it is the 50th anniversary of title nine. So she is, uh, she was down in DC with all yeah. the dignitaries with Nancy Pelosi and the president and all that. So from squash, from, from squash down to, down to DC, she's, she's from the windy uh, city to, to title nine. Yeah. The, the right. Right. She's in good company. Exactly the case. So yeah, it was great to have her there. And any, and again, yes, you saw her social media blew up on it and, Obviously, the squash social media blew up with her happening there. So I think any time a celebrity uh, gets involved with the sport, um, did, did people you know, latch onto it and think this is this is it? You know, mm-hmm. we get somebody like this in our corner. Um, yeah, you know, squash will squash will uh, start start uh, skyrocketing. Well, that's why it's so important to have these events in these venues, isn't it? Because you know, you get the high profile, and you get you probably get quite a few celebrities in and around that. The, the venue and if they catch wind of squash and they know of squash, they'll yep. say, go uh, check it out. Right. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, well, Bill, uh, just before we, uh, we sign off here, what's in the hopper. Um, so I, I just did uh, Houston um, the two, I don't know if you knew that I did. I emceed the Houston event two weeks, before, that, three but, weeks uh, before. That, mm-hmm. um, and now this, so now I'm just uh, waiting for the phone to ring, Barry. Come on, somebody call me. I'm I'm available. All right. Well, uh, when when the PSA comes back, uh, the Super Series come back, uh, I'll put a good word in uh, for you, uh, Mr. Cunningham. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I would, I'm willing, if if someone's willing to pay for my flight, I'm willing to fly. So I'd actually like to get back to Egypt. I know now that the pandemic hopefully is subsiding, um, they'll start being able to select their own MCs and um, their CEO has been in touch with me pretty regularly. So looking forward to getting, getting back to Egypt for, uh, for one of the black ball events, because it seems like that they'll be hosting quite a few there by the, by the looks of things. Great. Uh, well, I know uh, prob- most flights uh, have a stopover in Dubai. So uh, if you can, you know, if you want to stop over and stay a few days, we can have a hit. That'd be awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah. I would look forward to it. I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, I hope I don't bring your ratings down. Oh, uh, uh, squash radio, uh, you know, the, the Windy City Open. This is fantastic. I did, uh, apologies for not having done the, the research properly, uh, uh, Bill. But uh, no, we're going to reach out to Connor and, uh, and uh, squash radio. Again, uh, something that everyone else should be listening to as well if you're not listening already. What's, what's, uh, what's going on in terms of the latest episodes there? So we just, uh, Connor's, Connor's just uh, released um, some, so he does long form interviews uh, as part of squash radio, where he takes a, someone who's a, a, you know, prolific figure in squash and interviews them and kind of a serious interview about squash. And then we have what's called the breakdown, which is when you listen to it, you realize it's anything but serious. Um, It is uh, it's me, Connor and PJ. Uh, Paul Johnson. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Okay. And we kind of, we kind of just have a lot of fun. So um, we have, we actually recording an episode this weekend. Uh, we'll, we'll record an episode on Saturday and hopefully get it out during the week. So we kind of just break down what, as the, as the name says, what's going on in the world of squash, but we also like to talk about like what we like to eat, where we like to travel, uh, what we like to drink. We we've had the scotch episode, the wing episode, the pizza episode. So we, we, try, <laughs> we try to sprinkle some squash in there if we can. 
Perfect. Well, well, Bill, it was uh, fantastic uh, getting to meet you here, and really great job at the Windy City and and the other events that you've uh, you've emceed, and uh, all the best going forward. And Squash Radio, I'll be uh, going in, into the backlog to see what uh, we, what we, I missed. We, we could use the clicks if you want to listen to it like three hundred times. That would be very helpful for our numbers. We appreciate it. We'll do. <laughs> Take care, my friend. Cheers. Cheers appreciate it. Have a great day. Well, that's episode 206 in the books, and what a great one that was. Really, really appreciate uh, Bill's time today and want to wish him and his uh, partner in crime, Connor O'Malley, all the best with their own podcast, Squash Radio. Check that one out. And uh, all the best with uh, his future emceeing duties as well. Hopefully once uh, the COVID situation uh, gets itself straightened out, we might see him back uh at the black ball events in, in the near future, but all the best to bill. And, uh, here on this podcast, we've got some good ones coming up. Uh, we've got the string doctor coming up this week. He's going to come back on. He, he was, uh, on the pod, maybe, uh, a year or two, uh, well over a year ago anyways. So lots happened in the stringing game since then. And, uh, that, uh, is a good reason to have uh, John Sharp, the string doctor, back on to fill us in on what the latest uh, is in the stringing game. And we've got, uh, I'm hoping, we, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, a really, really big name uh, from the coaching ranks, uh, hopefully coming on, and a former player himself. But I don't want to jinx it yet. Uh, has, I haven't firmed it up, but, uh, you know, I don't like to. I think that's bad karma to call that one, uh, to, to say that it's a, uh, in stone before it is so i won't do that just yet but fingers crossed we've got a big one uh, coming up so stay tuned for that everybody i hope you enjoyed your squash uh since the last time i spoke i played today magnificent it was actually uh, the first time i've done this in a while i i, I won a game 11 0 wasn't really trying to do it but uh, as it turned out that's the that was the score at the end of the game my partner and i both uh, had a bit of a laugh after all that and then uh we uh, proceeded to have a, a few closer games uh, thereafter. But, uh, yeah, I must have been doing something, right? I'll have to look back and see, uh, sort of review the, the game and the rally. And uh, I think, it, you know, at the end, the end of the day, it was probably, as they say, finding my targets in the back uh, that led to some easy points uh, for me there. So I hope that your, your squash is going, uh, going well as well. Uh, let me know how things are going. If you haven't, I had uh, actually... Uh, uh, someone just reached out to me this week uh, to do an episode on the Canadian Women's Open, and um, I'm hoping to do uh, an episode on that. We might have Dean Brown on uh, in the near future to talk about that. That'll be uh, that'll be definitely worth uh, catching up with Dean o- over. Uh, the Canadian Women's Open. So, anyways, everybody, all the best to you. All the best with your squash. Uh, again, let's uh, let's pray for peace in Ukraine and uh, take care. In the meantime, goodbye now.